Welcome to Money Matters TV. My name is Dave Emery. I'm a certified financial planner with Planning Capital Management Corporation. I'd like to also uh, welcome my co-host, Doug uh, Hepburn. Hey, Doug, how are you? Great, thanks. How are you, Dave? And uh, you this required disclosure, you have to say? Yeah, I do. Uh, I want to start off by saying Doug Hepburn is an investment advisor representative offering securities investment services, investment advisory services through Sotera Advisor LLC, man, member of FINRA SIPC, a broker dealer and registered investment advisor. Sotera is up or under separate ownership from, from any other entity. So, so welcome, Doug. And I just want to mention you're also with uh, Hepburn Financial Advisors. I forgot to plug you there. So oh, thanks. good to see you again. Yeah, it's great to see you too. So, We've had a lot happen in the last month. Absolutely. Uh, as I'm sure you're aware, you know, the last time we were together, we uh, we were talking about, you know, some of the economic insights that we had and, and had heard. And they were suggested that we were going to see interest rates rise, that the Fed was was projected to increase mm -hmm. interest rates, I guess, in June after their June meeting. Well, that's all changed now. Uh, they're talking about quantitative tightening and uh, actually raising interest rates in March. So. As you can imagine, that's put the markets into a little bit of a tizzy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I definitely feel that, that for 2022, there's going to be some volatility. We've already seen it so far year to date. And uh, I do think the economy is going to continue to grow. Um, it's just it's just not going to grow. Uh, markets grow as fast as it was in 2021. Exactly. And, and that's what a lot of uh, analysts and economists are projecting. You know, we've seen, uh, as you alluded to previously, you know, the the build back better is is probably dead. Uh, at least that's what Joe Manchin says. And so, you know, with a reduced uh, fiscal stimulus right. and potentially reduced monetary stimulus, we're going to see things slow down. Add to that the inflationary pressures mm. caused by supply chain disruptions and you're, you know, companies aren't going to be able to produce as much or sell as much as many goods. Right. And I think in if we're if I'm not mistaken, even in the December uh, uh, retail sales, we saw a, a bit of a drop off in retail sales. So we're probably going to see things slow down a little bit. But as I as you said, I agree with you. I think the economy is slowing a little bit, but uh we're not headed towards a recession. Right. I mean, and kind of you alluded a little bit to it too. I mean, you know, the, one of the big areas is still on people's minds. It's in the media is inflation. I mean, end of last year, you know, inflation was, was up 7%. You know, consumer price indexes were up 7%. You know, that's including, including uh, food and energy. Um, if you, you know, they do not include housing. If you include housing, it would have been more than that. So um, right. inflation is definitely uh um, on people's minds and people are feeling it. So, right. It's really its ugly head. And, you know, for, for the majority of the population, most people, I and mean, if you look at Americans, uh, most of them lived through the inflationary period of the seventies and mm -hmm. the eighties. In fact, you see some yeah. reports saying, you know, is this Jimmy Carter revisited? <laughs> uh, and so, you know, and and the the fear that 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 instills is you know people still remember uh, double digit inflation and double digit interest rates when right. Paul Volcker raised interest rates 
you know, and drove the economy into a recession to put a stake in the heart of inflation. Right. And he had to do that twice. And so mm -hmm. people aren't really uh, looking forward to that if that happens. I think most projections are that the Fed, uh, the current Fed doesn't have the backbone to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, like that, like that old Chinese curse, you know, may you live in interesting times. I think. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess, I guess maybe I'm not sure if it's a silver lining or, or, or not, but I mean, you know, I'll put a positive spin on inflation. So, you know, just like you, know, you do tax work, I mean, some of the indices on the tax code gets adjusted with inflation, you know, like the, the income tax yep. brackets get a little wider. Um, you know, the 401k, you can put a little more money into your 401k. Um, you know, there's a couple and so of security, yep. so security benefits go up. That's right. So, so people like that. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, some will argue, and, and it's I think it's a valid point, you're better to have a little bit of inflation mm -hmm. than deflation. Because right. with deflation, you know, prices are constantly going down. People right. are waiting waiting until next week to buy what they wanted to buy today because mm -hmm. prices may be lower. Well, that is that deflationary spiral will cause the economy to grind to a halt. Right. So a little bit of inflation is good, but mm -hmm. when you get above two, three, four percent, right. now you're 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 running into issues. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I think I think psychologically it's compounded by the fact that, that if you look back over the last handful of years, we really haven't had any any real inflation. So now when we have something, it feels it feels, you know, I want to say it feels painful. I mean, because you're not used right. to it type of thing. So, right. <clears throat> right. I mean, and most people are seeing it, you know, of course, in in food and energy, which mm -hmm. are the most volatile areas of the market. Uh, that's why they're not necessarily considered in the core CPI. Yeah. But you know, when you go to the grocery store and you look at prices, they've they've definitely gone up. It's uh, it's easy to see. That's um, right. And and of course, you know, it, you can't avoid seeing uh, gas prices everywhere you go when you're driving your in your car. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. So well, good. The one, right. one, I guess the the biggest concern at this point <laughs> is whether or not the inflation it, it, for inflation to stick it's got to creep into what's known as a wage price spiral mm -hmm. people getting paid more uh and that is actually one of the the things that we're starting to see now in fact i saw a recent article that talked about one of the the big four cpa firms uh, mm -hmm. uh, as well as some of the big law firms have increased their starting salaries for uh, recent graduates. And they're also allowing people to work from home. Well, that has a twofold effect because mm -hmm. people are getting paid more and now their costs are actually lower because they don't have the commuting costs, which they normally right. deduct anyway. Right. Um, so it's, you know, we're seeing a lot of changes happen in the economy just due to the aftermath of COVID. Yep. Interesting. All right. Well, hey, uh, uh, would you like to get uh, a question from the audience? Absolutely. All right. Fantastic. Uh, Arma Kelly from Philadelphia asks, what are some advantages of buying muni bonds? That's a great question, Armin. So when, when people think about municipal bonds, it, it's usually preceded by the term tax-free municipal bonds. And the reason being is that the federal government doesn't, doesn't tax 
uh, state obligations of the state or municipalities. And as a result, when you, when you buy a municipal bond or a municipal bond fund, you generally don't pay federal tax on that. You may hear some people talk about triple tax free, where those bonds may be exempted from state income tax or even local income tax, depending on whether your locality uh, taxes investment income or, uh, or what we call intangible income. Um, it's generally in high tax states. It's not going to be an issue if you're in Florida, Texas, uh, Wyoming, Washington state, uh, states where there is no income tax, but certainly from a federal perspective, those are some of the benefits. One of the keys is what is your tax rate? Because the, the tax affected yield, and I, I know I'm probably getting too deep in the weeds here, but uh, if you're if the interest that you're being paid on a tax-free basis is higher than what you would get on a taxable bond with the same risk, now you're ahead of the game. If it's not, you're behind. Now, with all those advantages, there's always going to be risks and there's, there's going to be uh, things to consider. So with treasuries, they're virtually risk-free because the federal government's never defaulted on its debt. When you buy municipal bonds, they're backed by the, the issuing entity, whether it's the state or municipality. They generally come in two flavors, general obligation bonds, which are backed by the taxing authority of, of the, the jurisdiction, or what we call uh, revenue obligations, which are backed by the enterprise, like the Turnpike Commission or you know, the, the water company, water treatment plant. Uh, something of that nature. And so you know, the, there, there are two sides of that coin. Some people feel more comfortable with general obligation bonds. Other people feel more comfortable with, with uh, revenue bonds. It's really, uh, it's buyer beware. You have to do your due diligence. And each of these bonds are not uniform like treasuries where they have a certain interest rate and a payment date and you know what you're going to get. <clears throat> A lot of them have a, uh, a, a bond indenture that is specific to that bond. So talk to your financial advisor. If you're interested in municipal bonds, tax-free municipal bonds, make sure that you, you do your due diligence before you buy anything. Uh, the other thing is that, and, and the reason being is because unlike the treasury market, which is very liquid uh, and you can buy and sell treasuries every day, Tax-free municipal bonds are not as liquid. So if you buy a tax-free municipal bond, it may be a week or two before you find the right buyer for that bond if you decide you want to sell. So, you know, again, do your due diligence. Make sure you're, you're comfortable with the risks associated with it and that you're being fairly compensated uh, on an after-tax basis for the risks that you're assuming. Great answer, Doug. I appreciate it. So uh, here's how to send in your questions to Money Matters TV. You can have your questions answered on Money Matters. Please go to our website, money-matterstv.com. On our homepage, click on the banner on the right that says, send us your questions. While you're on our website, you can find information about our hosts and guests, as well as show notes and links about this show and past shows. 
Money Matters is also available as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, so you can listen to Money Matters while you're on the go. That website address, again, is money, M-O-N-E-Y, dash matters, M-A-T-T-E-R-S, tv.com. Well, welcome back. We have a very interesting guest here. Uh, guest name is Arlene Rosen. Uh, she uh, she's, has designations LMFT, CSAT, and she's with the Center for Healing and Self, Healing Self and Relationships. Welcome, Arlene. Nice Hi. to see you. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, great. Well, let's start off by uh, kind of give us a little overview of you. Great. Okay. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified sex addictions therapist, um, discernment counselor. I'm a collaborative divorce coach and a mediator. My goodness, you you wear quite, you wear, wear more than one hats. It seems like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, that, that's great. Well, kind of um, uh, tell us a li- little bit about some of the clients and what 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 are on their minds these days. Maybe that's a good place to start. Yeah, so we have um, at the Center for Healing Self and Relationships, we see a wide variety of presenting issues. We have a specialization in um, compulsive sexual behavior, betrayal trauma, restructuring families. Um, But we also see, you know, your generalized anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. or just, you know, your typical life cycle issues that people would come to see a therapist for including money in marital no. relationships, you know, the that's, that's so surprising. <laughs> that jokingly. No, I, I think, uh, as I'm sure Dave can attest to anytime you work with clients, usually, uh, the taxpayer and the spouse have, have different concepts of money, but I know, uh, COVID has really changed everybody's world in the past 24 months. How has it changed? your world and and the counseling that you do yeah well it has really been a pretty significant shift um one one of the major shifts has been uh, all your therapists needing to um be able to conduct um virtual sessions um but people are really struggling even two years out people are struggling with re-entering what this is going to look like for them, um, their families, a lot of isolation, right. a lot of struggles with um, just reconnecting. It's been pretty difficult. Yeah, I think everybody. I mean, I, I think everybody's feeling that. I know. Um, you know, I, I've definitely. Uh, I, I need to get out of my office and see some people. I mean, it's just uh, so I, I can imagine that. You know, you've probably seen quite a few people come in. You know, because this whole you know being in lockdown through COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been pretty difficult for people. Just I've I've heard yeah. I've, not not to interrupt. I've heard from college students that you know after being mm. after being virtual for a while, and this is probably true with you know elementary, middle school, and high school students. After being virtual for a while, going back, they have social anxiety because those <laughs> social skills that they had mm-hmm. sort of atrophied at home. Mm-hmm. And now they've got to go back and sort of relearn how to how to communicate with people and pick up on nonverbal communication. Um, you know, one of the things you mentioned in uh, in your introduction was discernment counseling, and it sounds really interesting. Can you tell me about that? 
Yes, I'd love to. Um, disturbing counseling is a um, very brief model, one to five sessions, to help couples who are on the brink of divorce. Um, and what it is, it's very structured on which path the clients are going to take. Are they going to stay in place as they are doing the same kind of dysfunction that's brought them to my office? Or are they going to get divorced? Or are they going to do commit to six months of intensive counseling? Now, the gentleman who um, created this model, he was he was pretty intuitive because he what you understand when you're doing marriage counseling, if, if one person has a foot out the door or they're really struggling with the idea of getting divorced, you really can't do marriage counseling. Right. Because you don't have that commitment. So the discernment counseling offers us an opportunity um, to be able to really identify which way the um, relationship is going to go. If, if the um, family decides, if the couple decides that they want to get divorced, I'm also a collaborative divorce coach and a mediator. So one thing that I do have the opportunity to do is really talk to them about some alternative dispute resolution processes so that they can continue to have a voice in the direction that their family is going to go so that they can um, still be great co-parents mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's a good opportunity so uh, to kind of finish up that discernment um topic how how many people uh, do the majority of the people come into you regarding divorce or uh, how many come in to do discernment i guess is what i'm trying to ask i mean is it a large percentage or or not well um you know what i think it's it's funny because mm -hmm. it you know you can almost set the calendar. Now I'm a little busier with discernment counseling once the holidays, mm -hmm. uh, you know, have, you know, we're done yeah, with the holidays and, you know, we've gotten through that. And now you say that because I, I heard a, uh, I was listening to a podcast where, mm -hmm. where somebody had mentioned uh, a divorce attorney had mentioned that the, uh, the number of new clients spikes right after summer and right after the holidays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People people go through a period where they're with their family, and then they say, "You know what? That's it. I'm done. It's time to time to make a New Year's resolution." Yeah, um, yeah, and I also think it's um, you know if you think about children's schedules or what they're looking forward to, you know, that's something that I hear frequently: is we want to wait until the holidays are over, or this batch of birthdays are over. Um, but it, it's such a hard decision for people to make. Mm -hmm. And it, it sounds like discernment counseling is really, you know, it's a compressed process to make the decision, right? Right, right. And even giving people the language that, you know, it's almost freeing to know that if you decide to stay in place and not make a decision, that's actually a decision also. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So, um, you know, giving people the opportunity to go through the discernment counseling and if they do make the decision to um, do the six months of intensive marriage counseling, um, their feet are there. They've made a commitment right. to really give this a try. So they have that um, vested interest. And, and that makes a lot of sense because oftentimes, you know, when, when, when you do have – 
have couples that are that are having marital issues. It's there's usually some sort of uh, uh, issue that's been festering for a while. They haven't communicated for a while. Going in and being able to talk about that allows them to work through those issues and make decisions in a logical fashion instead of being trapped in the emotions of it. Right. Right. But, um, yes. I'm curious, you know, we, we talked about this earlier, you know, couples having money issues. Mm. And, uh, you know, I try and explain it to my clients by saying, you know, everybody has a different concept of money. And so uh, it's important to be on the same page. What sort of money issues are, are people coming to you with and, and why is money such an issue for them? That's, that's a great question. Um, I love talking about it not because it's such an easy topic for me to talk about personally, but the idea that we all grow up in families that mm -hmm. have different relationships with money. And then we go into our marriage thinking that everything is going to be fine and easy. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, it's not, it's not, we get, you know, you have, um, you know, especially when you start having children, if somebody decides right. to um, not stay in the workforce or their income is, has shifted, um, there's power imbalances embedded. So if you don't have, you know, I think a, a few things should be given to, some pamphlets should be given to people with uh, their license, with mm, their marriage license. Yeah. You know, right. one is have good, hard conversations about money, but it's not yeah. easy. Yeah. Um, you know, and work hard for the marriage. You know, once you have children, um, people start not attending to the marriage, just having the expectations that everybody's going to grow in the same way, uh -huh. whether it's around money or parenting or what the goals are. So, um, well, so that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, you're so, almost merging two different philosophies and. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of it becoming a battle, there's mm -hmm. there's got to be some sort of agreed upon uh, direction. Right. So if you think about the underpinnings, right, um, how did you observe your family, your parents um, uh, dealing with money? How did they talk about it? Did they talk about it? Did they talk about budgets? Right. Mm -hmm. um, or, or was it a secret? So... It seems like you know money is definitely a huge topic that people come to you you know pertaining around the you know when they're considering divorce. Are, are there other areas uh, regarding uh, divorce that, that you know, other issues underlying issues that come to the surface other than just money, or is it pretty much always just money? So no, when we're talking about divorce, there's so many issues. You know, there could be infidelity or sex addiction or substance abuse. Um, or they just haven't come together. They're just not connecting in the way that they used to. Different expectations. Hmm. Um, there's so many issues that could bring a couple to the place hmm. of, of discernment or, you know, is this really what we envisioned? I think amazing things can happen in couples counseling when people are, I've seen it, where people were really on the fence and wanting to get mm -hmm. divorced or in, in trouble and then really committed to working together, like amazing mm -hmm. things can happen in restructuring how you're going to think about um, being together mm -hmm. and doing 
individual work and really understanding what you bring to the table. Right. It's really easy. It's easy to point to, I'm sorry, um, to point to your partner and say, this is where, you know, you do this and you do that and you don't clean the dishes, but really what is it about yourself Mm. that's creating the dissonance? Right. It's interesting. And I, I think you, you used a very important word there, which is commitment. I mean, both parties have to be committed to coming to a resolution and not only looking at themselves, I guess, and, and their own behaviors, but also uh, as part of the marriage mm-hmm. to and resolve those issues. Right. And it may not be that they stay together. Mm-hmm. You know, part of their resolution may be or their understanding is that they need to do something different and it's just not working. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing that I really strive to help clients understand is that there's other ways to do it other than litigation where somebody is going to be making a decision for you. Right. So if somebody is in a position where they're deciding to get a divorce, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to talk about how you can do that with a proper team around you uh-huh. with your cdfas you know certified divorce financial <clears throat> analysts your um, attorneys who are um really invested in alternative dispute resolution processes and also a mental health professional who's a divorce coach that so, is trained yeah. So, so talk, talk a little bit more. So I think what you're talking about is, is collaborative. Maybe fill that mm-hmm. out a little, a little bit. What, what, yeah. So there's a, what, what is a collaborative divorce? What does that look like? So a collaborative divorce um, is a divorce process that is an out of court process. And the key piece, the key piece is that the people sign a participation agreement stating that they will not litigate. And the participants in the team are two attorneys who were um, who have been trained in collaborative process, and a financial neutral, and a, um, a collaborative divorce coach who is a licensed mental health professional. And the team helps the people in real time make the decisions that's going to be best for their family so that when the uh, marital settlement agreement is done, the divorce degree to decree assigned, the people can still interact mm-hmm. yeah. and they can still live a life and their children are healthy mm-hmm. because the outcomes for high conflict divorce and high conflict marriages are similar mm-hmm. as well as, low conflict marriages and low conflict uh-huh. divorces because then you're taking the children out of loyalty binds. Uh-huh. Right. There's that a makes, lot. makes a lot of sense. Mm. I mean, as, as soon as everybody puts down the baseball bats and clubs <laughs> and sits down at the table and starts talking, then yeah. you can get things resolved in a more cost and tax efficient way. Mm-hmm. Who would yeah. want that? Yeah. Like, no, exactly. But you know, I do think in some ways it's, um, it's difficult. It, not in some ways. It's difficult. It's difficult to sit with somebody who you've had, um, you've had all these plans and hopes and dreams, mm-hmm. and then it, it changed. Yeah, it changed. People aren't showing up in yeah. the way they were. Right. 
Well, it's been a great conversation. So we're, we're coming here to, you know, kind of to the end here. Um, so Arlene, is there, is there like a, one more uh, point you'd like to, anything else that comes to mind that you'd like, like to share before we kind of wrap things up? Um, if you have any questions about anything, you can certainly reach out to me um, and get more information about what we spoke about. Yeah. Um, I think in these times, it's important to ask for help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Visual times. Well, fantastic. Well, I think you shared a lot of great, you know, great points, you know, today. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that our audience will find it very informative. So I really appreciate you, you coming on. Okay. Thank you me. Great. Glad to have you. So um, uh, our, um, our next guest, uh, for next week's guest, her name is Donna the the Corso, she's from the School of Entrepreneurship at Drexel University. So make sure to tune in for that. And uh, well, you know, thank you for joining us at Money Matters. Remember, this is where your money matters. Mm -hmm.